abundant in volume yet scarce, soothing and relaxing yet bearing a devastating force. Defies the laws of physics and it can heal as much as it can harm. It is the source of life. I'm Idan, and from Israel Newtech and PI Media, this is Waterline. Welcome back to Waterline. At the core of the Israeli water sector lies a pentagon, a model made up of five key elements. It is this model that enables Israel to sustain itself. As we mentioned before, Israel consumes twice the amount of water nature supplies it with annually. Take one part of the model out and you risk the country's ecosystem in more than one sense. So what are the elements, you ask? Spelt. And I don't mean the grain. As with any good thing in life, there's an acronym. Structure, both physical and organizational aspects. Pricing. You pay for water as it is a service, after all. Education. Far more than just being generally aware. Legislation. Water belongs to the citizens of Israel. And technology. Plain and straightforward. In the following episodes, we will examine the elements that make up the Israeli model. In this episode, we will see how education falls into place. We begin with Oded Distel, head of Israel Newtech, and the way in which he sees the model. Those five elements are constantly corresponding with each other and influencing each other. It's a moving part structure that uh, basically requires a lot of flexibility when managing it. A lot of creativity dealing with the challenges uh, ahead of it. And today we're talking about education. Yeah. So you grew up in Israel. I grew up in Israel. You grew up in Israel. So I think we both remember there is a gap between us. So I remember much uh, before you do. <laughs> But uh, I think both of us remember this uh, slogan, Every drop counts. Or in Hebrew, Chaval al kol tipa. which means you do not waste water. And you have to make sure that whatever you do, brush your teeth, wash the dishes, wash the car, wash the house, wash your clothes, whatever you do, you do it with the minimum amount of water needed. So this notion that was embedded in you from a very young age left quite a strong impression on you, and obviously you deal with water today <laughs> as an adult. Yes, it's a very strong impression on uh, whoever grew up in Israel. And, you know, you see it when uh, people uh, describe their uh, vacation abroad. When they come back, they would always come to the point where they uh, visited the Niagara Falls or uh, Scandinavia, where there is a lot of water, or even uh, Himalaya and on. And uh, they always say, ah, there's so much water there. <laughs> And you hear this uh, kind of uh, jealousy in their voice. It's always somewhere on the Israeli agenda. And uh, we're talking now, it's uh, almost uh, the end of uh, the Israeli winter. And uh, we're blessed. We had a very good winter this year. The level of the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee, is every day on the news. 
people would say, ah, the Kinneret went up two centimeters. How lovely. The headlines cry great news. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's exactly. literally, it's written. Yes. Have in mind, this is Israel. We are not lacking of uh, news. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> but still, the level and the, the Kinneret Lake is a headline in the Israeli news. And this is a reflection of how important water is in the Israeli agenda. So if you're talking about a reflection, what are we looking at? So we are looking at uh, the desire of people to make things better. And uh, actually in this uh, episode, we're going to listen to two people describing their journey in the Israeli education system and how they contribute through technology to the water system. It's from an angle of a very young uh, lady that is doing it on her own and through uh, an angle of uh, somebody who is creating a, a huge platform that uh, brings together kids from all over the country to explore and to investigate and to learn more about water through technology, science, engineering, and it raises their level of curiosity and their desire to be engaged in their future career in the water arena. My first guest today is a unique person, Dr. Amnon Shefi, an engineer, an entrepreneur, a high-tech executive, and a retired Navy colonel. 20 years ago, he decided to add the title educator to the list. You have to use as an engineer and as an officer, but mostly as an engineer and as a researcher and developer and an executive in, in the high-tech industry. I found a mission in bringing current technology affairs, life around us, as relevant content for students, for teachers, primarily as we witness this immense uh, exponential knowledge growth as the world is changing knowledge being doubled twice annually. And uh, obviously you cannot provide the children with knowledge relevant to the future, nor can you provide them with the skills that they will need in the future because who's to tell what skills will be required in 10 years' time when knowledge is doubled by million? So the only thing I feel you can do is bring it to their awareness make the children aware of this phenomenon and let them do the best with it. Watch it, follow it, educate themselves, learn, research. Why water? Water became attractive because it's uh, focused on a crucial need, an essential necessity that is uh, at risk. So that became a very interesting, hot subject in Israel. And we started out focused on desalination. We didn't start it with a general approach on water. We started out with desalination, which was a cutting-edge technology developed in Israel, which was interesting as a subject matter for STEM. STEM standing for, for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Art being history and traditions and, of course, the arts and, and what have you. So this is a very broad, multidisciplinary approach. Let's talk a bit about high-teach What is high teach dash water? High teach, in essence, produces content and activity for the school to be ran and taught by the school teachers, which is fundamentally very important. Why is that? Because we don't bring to school 
outside teachers. We don't try to replace the teachers. We don't try to show them how to do things in our way. We just bring them ultra-modern content, applied and applicable to the curricula, adjusted to the way they function, including interaction with the industry and so forth, and we provide them a tool by which they can really elevate the way they teach. We, we sort of bridge between the cutting-edge knowledge and what is required by the curricula. In the water program, we've been active with more than 300 schools across the 20 years that we've been operating. So we've put together you know, an environment where the students can really study advanced water technologies and on the other hand do it on their own, in their own pace, and it's not overwhelming. Water is a is a tool. Water is a subject matter. There just happened to be a major need. So we are sheltered in Israel and we have a relatively excellent situation. I find it very intriguing the way that you've put it. You said we are sheltered in Israel. Israel created this reality. It's not a shelter. Well, we've created that shelter. It is. And it is a shelter if we do not help the world get to where we are because it's, we're, not, we're, we're not going to, to survive isolated in a green garden where the entire world will be striving for water. Unless we do something worldwide, unless we do start to treat the water challenges in the world in a different manner, who will get hurt? It's the children that will suffer because in 10, 20 years' time, situation will be devastating. It will be grave. And so turning the children to a aware public where they can then educate home or at least themselves when they grow up is the potential. So now we're challenging the children in Israel and the schools in Israel to collaborate through twinning program with schools in the world where Schools will collaborate in a way where schools, say, in Florida or in Latin America, will research and investigate the water situation around their town and will have them compare notes with children in Israel. So it's going to be loosely coupled. We don't have to go there and teach them. Let them study what happens in Mexico. Let them work with these kids in Kiryat Gat and compare notes. And they will realize all of a sudden that it can be done differently, that address of the solution is feasible. And so this way, we hope to be able to at least increase awareness. To a certain extent, the future is already here. The first class, the first cohort to do high teach in water are supposed to be in their mid-20s today. How many of them have chosen to study engineering or anything to do with, with water as adults? Okay, so we have, we have a couple of examples. We have uh, two graduates, two girls, that were excelling and, in fact, recruited the Rotary to support us because they were so good. One of them is an engineer. We did one study, uh, sort of semi-statistical. It's not, you know, scientific and so forth. Mm-hmm. But we did, we took one of our earlier classes uh, of way back uh, 20 years ago, and we checked out to see what uh, do they do today? And with Hadish, we found that it's around 50%, 47% of that cohort ended up in sciences, either medicine or engineering or what have you. Now, there's a question of causality here. You know, you could say that since they are or they were kids of that nature, they came to Hightech uh, court and joined our project. That could very well be. So we, we, we don't have a direct evidence of causality. Now, we, we do know one other aspect of a similar question asked in reverse. 
what do engineers graduating from the Technion think of our program? So we have uh, water engineers coming from the Technion that studied our school, so established water engineers, and they came to work with us after years of studying the Technion. Only when they came to work with us and worked on water on our program did they start to realize the breadth and the practicality of water engineering. We have two engineers like this, two Technion graduates, and their feeling is that by the time they joined us and have worked with us, looking at the full breadth of water issues, from water supply to water treatment, from sewage to ancient water systems, uh, to the biology and chemistry of water, to the economy, to the breadth of the entire field, this provides a completely different perspective to an engineer, which they lack at the Technion and other schools as well. So, so we, first of all, have engineers work for us, and they say that this is the kind of exposure they get. And we are now talking to some of the Technion, as well as others, uh, schools in terms of influencing the way uh, the subject is being taught, engineering in general, but specifically on water, uh, practically with much more exposure and involvement with the industry, with what's happening in practice. So you end up taking high school kids to become a, a lecturer for a day in the Technion? For, well, for, for engineers? All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, in a way, in a way, yes, because our graduation event once a year, uh, in fact, coming now in March, we bring the children to the Technion, to a big graduation, a big science fair, where we will have tens of projects presented. And the guest speaker at the event is going to be the manager of the World Authority. We had six professors review the work last year, and we have many professors planning to come. Exactly as you said, it's in the Technion. The kids come over. We don't uh, think of it in terms of uh, you know, teaching the Technion water. We don't do that. <laughs> but what we do show is how to expose a young generation uh, to a new technology, and that does have a bearing on how the Technion teaches as well. A few days prior to the 2019 World Water Day, tens of excited school kids from all over the country convened at the Technion, Israel's Institute of Technology. Posters all around showed a year's worth of exploration. Liel from uh, Gedera. The project about uh, how the people from Gedera use water. We find that in the months of the summer, it's the higher using of water, we can see the rise from the months of winter to the months of summer. From the project, we can tell to more people about the using and then they can reduce the using before the project. I was unaware of how much water I'm using. Now, usually I measure my time when I'm taking a bath to use less. Abdullah bin Hussein School, East Jerusalem, Rehab, Red Is. They worked hard. The project is magnificent. These types of projects, they improve the mentality for the students and their way of thinking. 
It's not be strict, just the books. This generation just uh, thinks all the time about Facebook and cell phone. Their imaginations uh, is strictly for these uh, things. Now, when they came here, they saw the world from the other point of view. This is my third year here, and each time I bring students here, their outlook, the general outlook, it changes. And even their grades in the school, their personality, it's improved. For me, even, it adds a lot. So I am so interested in, the, in this work. It's so hard, but it's interesting. My name is Dorit Cohen. I teach in junior high. The school is in this project for about 11-12 years. Awareness to the field of the water that we have a problem. And they have to see things, how we clean the water, how we use the water. They learn how to write a scientific paper, like the Academy wants. This gives them a lot of confidence because they know how to do, they know how to search, they know how to ask, they know how to write. And suddenly they find, they know and they have results. They feel important, the, the confidence is up, they are feeling that they can do and they're doing a lot of good stuff, good work. After the break, you'll get to meet a bright person whose enthusiasm is contagious. Wotec Israel 2019, the ideal meeting place for manufacturers, researchers, investors, academics, purchasers, and decision makers representing international businesses. Wotec 2019 will mark an exciting departure from previous conventions. This year, a first of a kind interactive display area will be introduced to showcase the latest developments in technologies such as digital water, turnkey solutions, and Industry 4.0, to name but a few. Come and meet investors, technology providers, and market representatives, and find out for yourself how to become part of a new ecosystem through unique roundtable discussions, workshops, and brainstorming sessions in a place where water transformation occurs every single day. Watek Israel 2019. November 18th through 21st in Tel Aviv. To register, log on to watek-israel.com or follow the link on Waterline's webpage. Wish to learn more about Israeli technologies and the Israeli water sector? The people of Israel Newtech will be glad to answer your questions. Log on to israelnewtech.com and don't forget to follow Waterline on Facebook to get updates and give us your feedback. You can also follow me on Twitter at IdanC79. And now, back to the episode. Emily 
Chacham is 27 years old, and it is quite safe to say she's been a scientist for nearly half of her life. My story with water starts when I was about 15 years old. And at that time, there was a very serious campaign in Israel about water drought and about the lack of water in Israel. And I think it really influenced me in many ways. Also at that time, I just came across nanotechnology, which I found it very fascinating how in small scales, materials tend to lose some of their properties. Specifically, I was very fascinated about gold nanoparticles that were really different from the gold that we know, in the sense that gold in the nanoscale doesn't have the goldish color like we know from jewelry and stuff like that. It could be red or purple. It's like a whole new world of materials open for us to exploration. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. I, I, I want to learn more about that. And uh, next thing, I found myself at Tel Aviv University, the nanotechnology laboratory, start working with uh, Professor Gil Markovich on... Wait, just a second. Yes. You're 15 years of age. Yes. And you suddenly find yourself at the university. Yes. How does that work? Um, you well, d- You I, I, did go through high school, didn't you? I was studying in high school as well, <laughs> like everybody else. But I was really so fascinated about those amazing nanoparticles that I was like, okay, I have to try to, you know, see it myself in a sense, try to get a feeling of what this is. So I was looking online for professors that work on nanoparticles at Tel Aviv University, which was close to where I, I lived at the time. And that's how I found this specific professor. I basically just send him an email saying, hi, my name is Emily, I'm, I'm 15 years old, and I'm very interested about those specific nanoparticles. And not only that he replied to this email, he also invited me to his lab, and he showed me around. And he also showed me those gold nanoparticles and silver nanoparticles that were yellow, and I was really, really excited. And I was like, oh my God. What's wrong with colors in you? Are you sure you're not colorblind? (laughs) Just excited by, you know, looking around. I think our world is really amazing. So then we basically started talking and he gave me the opportunity to, to work in his lab, which was amazing. And then we were just kind of brainstorming and the, the subject of water came up and I was really excited about a very specific idea of developing nanotechnology-based sensors for online detection of water pollution. It really answers a very urgent need that we have. You know, in many places around the world, how water are, are monitored is by taking water samples and take them from the water resource to a lab that does many, many tests. And then by the time you get this information about if you have something in the water, it takes time. It could take, for example, sometimes 24 hours. Ideally, we would want to have a way to know if we currently have a pollution. 24 hours is a long time, not only for the water to be bottled, but also for the ecosystem. You know, the pollution is already there, and it's affecting the, the whole ecosystem. So we want to have a way to know in real time about water quality. So what was your solution? So we worked on developing those nanotechnology-based sensors that are based on networks of metal nanoparticles that act like a fishing net in a sense. 
that when pollution is out there, they like absorb the pollution. And then the characteristics or the properties of the network that we constantly measure are changed. And in that way, we're able to detect the pollution. There was a lot of optimization involved in this process. And I remember that <laughs> after uh, two weeks of the project, I was able to reach some specific point and the professor told me, you know, that's great, you're halfway through. And I was so happy. <laughs> I was thrilled. I was like, yes, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, the one thing I didn't know is, is that the other half is going to take me years. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it started off as a very basic project of a high school student, something very raw, but it turned out to be something that is I'm, I'm really proud of. And I feel like I, I, I also like grew up with the project in many senses. I think it took me two years or a year and a half to make it work for the first time. The end result is that we were able to develop those sensors that are able to detect organic pollution in sub-PPM level, PPM parts per million. So you're now in PPB? Yeah, we, we, were also, we were also starting to work on PPB levels, which is insane. That's, that's the level you want to detect because this is like the mark of the safe drinking level. So the senior year of high school was a very exciting time because this was also the chance to maybe present this project. So in my senior year, there were many national competitions for high school students that were doing research projects. First of all, this was a very... Uh, unique experience for me and I really enjoyed it because I realized I'm not the only crazy person that was doing that. There were actually many more students across the country that were doing research projects in high school. So one of those competitions was a competition called uh, Stockholm Junior Water Prize. It's the national competition in Israel, which is a competition that is aimed for young people that were doing research about uh, water or different aspects of water. And then I was very fortunate to also win some of those competitions and go and represent Israel in international competitions. That was really, that was fun. <laughs> it was just fun. A very young ambassador. A very young ambassador. And we'll just say one thing about the Stockholm Junior Water Prize is that uh, this competition was brought to Israel by Professor Gidon Dagan, who won the Stockholm Water Prize, not Junior, <laughs> in Sweden, I think it was in 1998. And then he saw the Junior Prize and he was like, wow, this is amazing. I have to bring it to Israel. And ever since, it takes place at the Tel Aviv University, right now sponsored by the Jewish National Fund. So it's just a very, very empowering experience, I would say. Uh, Stockholm Junior Water Prize was in Stockholm, Sweden. <laughs> and the competition was part of the International Water Week in Stockholm. And I think then I realized that really water is a global theme, you know, it's, it's everywhere and everybody needs water. Here in Israel, we are like, okay, we have water drought, a lack of water, that's our thing. But in many other places, we have other issues with water that are emerging. It just was amazing to see the different approaches people had on water. I think meeting with the people uh, being part of this international uh, experience, this whole week was dedicated to water. It's just we were going through different posters. We heard different talks. So at the very end of the day, you 
did not come back from Stockholm empty-handed. Yeah, wow, that was a that was a big surprise. Uh, eventually, I won uh, second prize at the competition, uh, which is an honorable mention. Um, yeah, that that was uh, that was a very nice surprise. You know, I wasn't, I never imagined I have any chance of winning. I came only like. I'm going to just, you know, meet people and try to get as much as I can from this experience. And this was an amazing bonus. I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah. And for me, it was just, okay, small little Emily from the tiny country of Israel, I mean, has done a project that in many ways maybe is not falling from other projects worldwide. It was just very empowering. You know, all of us, all of the participants in the international competitions were the winners of the national competition. So we, we were all winners. But just, you know, all those competitions, just getting this recognition is just, okay, I'm, I'm doing, maybe I'm doing something right. All of those experiences really pushed me to continue my life in this direction. Also trying to talk to others, tell them, hey... If I had no clue what chemistry is and what physics is and what anything is, and I was able to do that, you can do it too, you know. Uh, the world is really open for us young people to go take action, give back to the communities that we're in. Because I, I was very lucky. I, I got so many things. I had this professor that believed in me, and I had a high school that was really supportive of me of going to, to, to university and perform this research. And I had the graduate students that were re really supportive of me and my family and my friends. And I was really lucky to have all of that. And for me, I realized I, I have to give back. Just let people know you, you can. And uh, since then, I, I, I really started going into schools around the country, talking about uh, nanotechnology and about uh, the possibility that youth have. For example, go and work in labs. Young people are not falling from, from anyone else. You've managed to, to impact in many ways something that is still running. My senior year of high school, I started to take part in uh, competitions around Israel. A rumor about me came uh, all the way to the city mayor. He was really nice. Uh, we met at an event that happened in school. And he was really fascinated by nanotechnology, too. And we started talking about developing a nanotechnology studies program for high school students in our city. So we worked together to design the program and to find partners. So we contacted Bar-Ilan University, also in Ramat Gan. And then we started to have this program that really brings high school students to Bar-Ilan to study about nanotechnology, even take part in some projects. It was very moving, really, be able to uh, pass it forward. It's been running in the past 10 years, and I'm no longer involved in the program. And for me, seeing this program continue to run and seeing more and more students getting exposed to nanotechnology, it's, you know, it's one of the greatest successes I have in my life. See the passion that I had in my eyes in others and knowing that I, I was a small part in that knowing that I'm not involved anymore, the mayor is no longer there, and the new mayor have decided it was important enough to continue with it, that makes me really proud.
So I started, you know, talking to high school students from a very, from since the day I was a high school student. And the one thing I realized that in Israel, for example, we have many educational programs for high school students and younger uh, students. But the one thing that is very interesting is that in those projects or programs team, you will not see any young people. Meaning, for example, that uh, the team of the project that designs the project and build the project that is aimed for young people, you don't have any representative of really the young people in there to give feedback, to give comments, to, to be part of the design of the program. For example, I went to a conference. It was the final conference of a national chemistry program. They put so much effort into it. And then on the final day, they, they had like a professor talking for an hour and then another professor talking for an hour. And you know, that's tough. It's tough to sit and, you know, listen to for a one hour talk. It's just tough. By the end of this conference, I went to the team of the program and I was like, you know, it's, it's hard, this one hour. Let's try to do maybe something different. And a year later, I was, I have joined the team and we started to work on like, we added like an interactive uh, game to do and we shortened the lectures so it would be more suitable for youth to listen. Also, when talking about science, sometimes those programs, you have no girl in the team that works on this program. And this is an issue as well. They really care. They really do. They put a lot of efforts and sometimes money into, a lot of money sometimes into those programs. And then you have a program that's supposed to encourage youth to, um, to learn how to code. And they come up with this game that is about spaceships that are, you know, uh, shooting at one another. And I'm like, why doing something like that? Why not taking and doing a game that maybe speaks to everybody equally? Why not doing something that is more neutral? Do a game that is about, I don't know, um, food or selling food, for example, that everybody could relate to. Why doing something that is very, very specific? We want to talk to everybody eventually. So it seems that some initiatives are in need of restructuring. But when water is the subject matter, it's everybody's business. Enabling kids to research the topic of desalination was the first project HITEACH did with water. Dr. Amnon Shefi. It was a very interesting subject to bring to the classroom as a basis for chemistry and physics, namely reverse osmosis and the energy associated, energy recovery, which is the hard core of desalination, and then the economy. So we brought that to the classroom. And then children competed on a virtual tender that provided by the Water Authority, which was a partner that participated with us. And it was a youth tender to provide a better desalination plant. They actually played like adults. And uh, What about their models? Better than what's uh, prevalent? And some of the ideas were excellent. Some of the ideas. <laughs> like, for instance, girls in uh, Kiryat Gat suggested to heat up the salt water, the sea water, before you desalinate. And a very valid argument, because what you do in desalination, you pressurize the water to overcome the, the osmosis pressure. And temperature, they said, is like pressure. So why don't we heat it up? We have solar energy. It's easy and so forth. Very wise idea, and it created a lot of excitement, and they got a big prize and so forth. But How, how did the industry look at that? They loved it. 
They did? And they loved it, and they supported it. We have one little problem with the industry. They come and they support it. And all, but when the kids come up with such an idea, all the engineers in the industry start to intrigue them and investigate them as if they are young engineers. And we have to stop them and tell them, wait a minute now, these are young children. They're not engineers. They don't work the e differential equations associated <laughs> with it. They just had an idea. Sometimes build a model and so forth. But yes, the industry loves it, and the industry supports it primarily by providing content, and hosting the children. Do you find them more creative than the uh, trained engineers? The children are free. So they are creative in that respect. Uh, engineers are creative as well. They're very different. But yes, they are free, and they have a lot of imagination. But we bring them to reality in the sense that we challenge them with the practicality of doing things. So, yes, Don't they bend the practicality? Well, they do. They tend to. And we uh, sort of guide them and allow them to do it where it makes sense. And where it doesn't, we point it out to them. Now, if they wish to live it imaginary, so be it. And uh, some of them present work that's expressed in... By dancing or by drawing and painting. So they, it doesn't all have to really work. But we do expose them to the change. And by the way, doing so, we also sometimes expose them to the challenges and to the fact that not all solutions work, which is an important experience that they need to gather as well. That doesn't put them down. We don't limit them, but we do point it out to them so they become critical and they review it. This project is not just for the upper echelons of society. It's in public schools in Israel. First of all, the answer is absolutely yes. And in fact, we insist on providing an opportunity for everybody. Everybody meaning all religion, all sectors, all social background, and excelling students and students that do have challenges in various ways. We, we insist on providing opportunity for everybody. We do not mild it down To the lowest common denominator, we provide a chance for everybody. So if there's a group of excelling students, we make sure that they team up together and get a chance to do what they can do. And if there's another group that wants to just do painting or drawing or a song, we work with them as well. But Why? Because it's important to provide the chance for everybody. But, but you're missing the point, aren't you? You want to have engineers to create better water solutions for the world. Why waste your time with the artists? And I'm, I, I would fall into the group of the artists. Why waste the time on a person like myself? It's a good, it's a good challenge. You're annoyed uh, by my question. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you raised the question. Uh, and the answer is, first of all, yes, there are people like in the government and so forth and in the industry that would like to see us bring children to the water industry. We don't do that. We don't do that. We don't think this is appropriate. We don't think this is relevant. We bring cutting-edge knowledge, challenge, solutions to the children. They will make the best of it. And if some of them would want to be water engineers, beautiful. If others would want to be archaeologists of water history or economists or biologists, so be it. We expose them to the cutting-edge. We provide the leverage of this advanced knowledge. It is not directly aimed at doing that, and, and the industry understands that. And so we expose them. We do want to have them aware, but we do not direct it as a course aiming to bring children, which, by the way, is something you can't really do with children at uh, 14. They don't decide what they will do 
as working people at 24. So you've created an intellectual buffet. Yes, very much so. This is exactly what we say to the teachers. We have something to the tune of 250 chapters, about 300 and somewhat presentations with research topics, and this is overwhelming. So we tell them, this is a buffet. You don't need to have it all. You need to select what's suitable. And we come in assisting them in selecting out of this buffet. I hope you are inspired by the stories you've heard. I know that I am. I find my guests to be great representatives of the Israeli education system as a whole and its ability to serve as a hub of knowledge, be accessible, and enable those who wish to excel. Back to Oded Distel. Let's imagine that this model mm-hmm. did not have education in it. Do you think that this model would, uh, would be successful? Would work? No, not at all. I, I'm, I'm quite convinced that uh, the answer is, uh, is negative. It's a crucial part in it because if you don't have strong support from the public and deep understanding to the value of water in all its aspects, economically, uh, morally, environmentally, health, all those elements that water is so precious to, you cannot charge for water, you cannot invest as a nation in water, you would not attract talent to go to study water and to work in this uh, sector. So education is, uh, is a must. But why employ the education system, not just rely on campaigns and general awareness? So it goes hand in hand, and the uh, campaigns are good, but they are uh, limited in their uh, timeline. And you want something to be deep in the culture of the country, of the society. And this is something that you get through uh, education, through engaging the young generation to uh, absorb it and to embrace it uh, very deeply. Emily Al-Khacham. What's a good educator? Someone that serves by example. Someone that people could look up to, be supportive, be able to listen. So yeah, so I think that uh, professor that I work with is a great educator. He basically just gave me a chance out of nowhere. I knew nothing, and he welcomed me to his lab. I was working directly under him. I was not working under a graduate student, so it was very, very impactful. And I've learned a lot from him, not only how to be a good scientist, but just also how to be a good person in many ways. And for me, I also felt like he gave me the tools. Maybe this is another aspect of being a good educator, giving the tools to people so they will be able to perform or do things by themselves. What's a good water citizen? Whoa. A good water citizen, I think, is a citizen that, first of all, is aware. For example, in Israel, we have water scarcity. And we need to take that into account in, in our actions. That could be just close the tap when you brush your teeth. Just install those water filters that uh, reduce the uh, water consumption. Serve as an example and not... Wasteful of water, not, don't, don't waste water. Of course, you could be a water expert and you could do research in water. And this is amazing. And we need those people. If you're listening, we need you. <laughs> But even if you're not, you could help. Even if it's just doing the small things. Eventually, it's up. And eventually, people see how you behave and they would follow. Today, Emily El-Chacham is a multidisciplinary researcher at the Weizmann Institute of Science and Tel Aviv University. She focuses on studying the impact of human activities on the environment, 
and developing potential solutions using advanced technologies. The project that earned her the Stockholm Junior Water Prize Diploma of Excellence is still in development, and the nanoparticle sensor she created is now able to detect a growing number of pollutants and contaminants in water. Dr. Amnon Shefi heads high teach for over two decades now. It takes a village to raise a child, the saying goes, and its education is definitely part of that. The water programs of Haitich are sponsored and supported by the Rotary Haifa, members from the Israeli water industry, Israel Newtech at the Ministry of Economy, as well as the Water Authority and the Academia in Israel, headed by the Technion Grand Water Research Institute. You can see the full list of those who support Haitich on Waterline's website. Dr. Amnon Shefi. Drawing to an end, if I would have to give a headline to our conversation, it wouldn't be education, it wouldn't be science, not necessarily even water. It would be dialogue. Dialogue with the future. It is a dialogue with the future. This is really what makes this unique, because we take everything, the basis, the history, the sciences behind it, and all the education and methodology the PBL, the project-based learning, the research, the STEM, all of those advanced tools, which we really master because we've been doing it for 20 years. But this becomes interesting because for us, it's a dialogue with the future. We're not studying the past. Newton is important, so is Einstein, and so is Ben-Gurion. But it's their future that matters. We do look in the mirror. We look in the mirror while we drive to see the past, to understand, but... Our eyesight is focused through the windshield into the future. So this is really the way to address it. It's a dialogue with the future. Waterline is brought to you by Israel Newtech and is a PI Media Production.